This is Inside the Natural State, an Arkansas sports podcast. Here are your hosts, Zach and Steve. What's up, everybody? Zach and Steve here with you. Inside the Natural State podcast. What's up, man? I don't know. I don't, I'm telling you right now, man, this has been the longest day, I think, of my life. Like, Dude, you have been hot and heavy on Twitter lately. It's, well, so I had this whole tone of how I thought the night was going to go. And then I got a couple phone calls today. Yeah. And there's some stuff blowing up on Twitter right now. Yeah. I'm concerned. I'm highly, highly concerned. So right let now. me ask you this. And, of course, it's going to be an obvious answer, but are the wheels fixing to come off? I think we're going to find out this weekend. If, if not before, it really depends on if some of the stuff we're going to talk about here in a bit. Because I've been, I, fruition. like I said, I've heard some things on Twitter well, yeah. and heard things on, on local radio stations that about the game this weekend that I, hmm. uh, I mean, yeah, the stuff that was just being said on the radio, I hope doesn't happen. But anyway. Yeah. Well, I mean, even, even, anyway. even, even from some of the things you're picking up on Twitter though. Yeah. You, you, yeah. But we'll get into that here in a little bit. Oh, well, how you doing over there, man? I've been better. <laughs> you had, to, you had yeah, to think I mean, about that one, didn't you? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, life's still good, but, I mean, the Hawks definitely aren't. Okay, honest question. How many of you guys, like, had felt at the halfway point of this season that we would be having this feeling right now? I didn't. I thought it would be four and two. Yeah, I think I think we'd. Have, I, I I thought by now we'd at least have two SEC wins under our belt with Ole Miss and. Uh, I mean, at least three and three. Like, well, I figured I figured we'd be at least two and one going into Auburn in conference. Oh yeah, least. I'm just saying three and three overall. Right? Yeah, three and three overall, and and on the upswing. But here we are again in the same, almost the same thing as we were looking at last year. I don't know. Um, no, worse. Is, I, 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 it's hard for me to admit that, but I, it's worse right now. No, you're looking at another two and ten. So you're you're coming out balanced on on, on both no, years. No, again, think about how we talked about this when the season started, and I mean it was this off this the, the non conference schedule was four games they're handing to. Well, you no, know, I'm saying so, I'm saying, but but my, here's my point too. And no, 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 this two and ten is worse than last year's two and ten. And here's the oh reason, by far. Here, here's the reason I say that last year's two and ten. I don't even blame Morse for. I mean, we may end up figuring out that we can blame Morse for. But from my from my perspective, when you think about what he had to deal with, yeah, I don't blame him for year one. But I mean, he takes all the blame for this year because of how much of this roster is new. And what's happening right now is is extremely concerning. If this team is two and ten, I don't know, man. I, I don't know. Even three and nine, I don't. I, I don't even think you can. I don't even think you get away with three and nine. We came into the season <clears throat> thinking six and six was going to be the benchmark. Well, I think the five. expectation. Yeah, five, yeah. five yeah. was your benchmark. Was yeah, five was your benchmark with as easy of a schedule as this supposedly was. I mean, they say what this is the easiest schedule in the last thirty years. Yeah. I mean, uh, seriously, that they've said that many times. You know, just local sports talk and everything. So to come in and be halfway through the season and two and four with a loss to crappy San Jose State team, a bad Kentucky team, and squeaking by a FCS appointment or a opponent in Portland. Portland State. I mean, come on, this yeah. is crap. And what Colorado State's one and four or maybe two their single two. win is us. No, no not Colorado State. Oh, not I'm sorry. I thought you were talking about San Jose. My bad. No. My bad. My bad. Yeah. So I mean, it, it's ridiculous that we should. I mean, at worst, three and three. I mean, I lost. Yeah. You know, and, and and the first two games, I I didn't quite 
it, it was like, okay, that's all right. We're fine. Leaving Colorado State, I was like, okay, maybe we've actually turned a corner. We've done it. We've turned a corner. Okay, we know how to win games. And then the disaster of San Jose happened. And then I thought, okay, here we are again. It's Last year it was North Texas. This year it's San Jose State. Well, it's not even a Power 5 school. Yeah, and that that was that's definitely concerning. But that's not even what concerns me. I mean, so I spent the better part of the last 48 hours – defending this coaching staff. And, and I mean, if you follow me on Twitter, I've went, yep. I have went back and forth yep. with yep. a lot of people. And, and I truly feel, now here's the thing. I truly feel from an X's and O's standpoint, from what I see, I think that this program obviously has some deficiencies at some very important spots. When you watch the game again, and you watch some of the stuff that happened in the game, there was a lot of execution issues. So, from that perspective, and I feel like I watched the game a little differently. I tried not to look at it from an emotional lens of, uh, you know, expecting a win or a loss, wanted a win. But I, I mean, until this team wins, it's hard for me to, hard for me to really, you know, feel confident we're going into a game and expect us to win to the point where I'm going to be upset if we lose. I guess that's apathy or expectations of losing. Nah, that's time, but, that. That's close but, to apathy as you can get. Yeah, but I mean, so because we're I, fixing to run the gauntlet. Yeah, but so when I watch the game, I, you know, a lot of the things that I saw are correctable things. But the more that I think about it, and the more that I think we've talked about the correctable things all season, mm-hmm. and it's it's not it's not hard stuff. It's lining. I was literally screaming at my computer because I had to watch the game on my computer this weekend screaming at my computer for Traylon Burks to get off the line of scrimmage because he shouldn't be on the line. Why can me, as random, out of shape, sitting on my couch watching the game guy, understand where I, where Traylon Burks is supposed to be, but he can't? I'm not talking bad about Burks. I'm just saying... Well, in, what bothers me, though, how do you have two false starts on a punt? Well... I don't know. That, that was that was that hurt that that bothered me more than Traylon lining up off on the line of scrimmage. Yeah, and when you watch the coaches' reactions, they're trying to don't calm down, don't worry, just calm down. Like, no, don't you need to be in their asses. That's unacceptable. Don't do that. But anyway, that's another story. So, but from an X's and O standpoint, you know, I, I came. I'm like, look, I'm prepared. Like, I had this layout of why I felt like the defense sucked and why I felt like the offense. Yeah, sucked. you you've come prepared and, tonight, and, and, and I'm about to throw it all in the trash, like because. Let's just, I mean, let's just jump into what's just happened in the last 12 hours. Like, so, so, I mean, I get a phone call this morning from, from a friend and and is given some information that from from a, from someone that I trust that's given me information. Right. A reliable source. Very reliable source. That's given me a lot of good information on this program over the last two years or so. Mm -hmm. And to let, to, when when I the information that I was given was basically look there's a big money donor who is very unhappy right now. Um, that's mm. the first time that this has actually come up. I've talked to him several times, asked several times what the, you know what where what what kind of, um, you know where the thought process is in, in these guys, and it's hundred percent support from Morris. This is the first time that anything's kind of veered off of that. So so that started the day. Frustratingly enough, um, did you at least have your morning coffee before you got that phone call? No. Um, oh, no. oh crap! And, and so, so we get that information. Then the Devin McClure information comes out today that he's transferring. Well, it, it came out. It came out as he's going into the transfer portal. Right. 
Not long after that, news comes out now that Devin Bush is transferring. That's highly concerning. Devin Bush is the highest-rated recruit that we had in this last class. Or right. It, 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 the highest-rated defensive recruit we had in this last class. Um, there was a big to-do to get Devin Bush when it was all said and done. It's not surprising he's played four games. So it, this, is the, this is the natural time that someone would hit the transfer portal. Um, Has he only played? I thought he – Will's holding him to – you said he, two? Yeah, two. Uh, two, ta- two tackles and uh, Ole Miss. I've and, got him in four games. Oh, two. Well, tackle wise, I guess it's yeah. only two. It's two okay. and Ole Miss according and eight to, in San Jose State. According what, to hogsports.com, he's played four games with no yeah. statistics. So, at what point do we begin to seriously worry? Because on top of those, I was scrolling through Twitter, waiting on you guys to, to get here, doing my my last minute pre shows stuff, and uh, I came across this this tweet. It says, "I'm always be a hog." Uh, when I came here, it was for, strictly for the state of Arkansas and the fans of this program, but it's but it's just a lot of things going on that I don't do not agree with. That is coming from Briston. I can't pronounce his last Gidry. name. Gidry. Okay. Several football players have liked this tweet. It, it it's not just several football players that have liked the tweet. Several football players have also tweeted out other things that are very cryptic and concerning. So, I want to start. Will, can you play that that clip real fast if you got it ready? Chad heard about um, McClure. Uh, I guess he signed a transfer. Did, did he come and talk to you, or kind of how, how that all play out? Just what's your thoughts on that? Well, I spoke with um, with 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 him last night, yesterday afternoon, and then again late last night. And uh, I think we all know his family situation with with uh, with his son. And um, you know, it was as he shared with me that, Coach, I want to step away from football, um, and you know, I want to. Going to focus on my academics and focusing on getting a job to help support my family, and and so at that point that was that was the way we left it at that at that time. So that was in the pre- from the press conference today, and he was asked about McClure and because the news had basically just broke when when the press conference happened. And so um, what I find interesting from that is two things. I just mm-hmm. one you realize you recognize so he so he's asked. Point blank about Devin McClure. Morris never once says his name. Almost sidesteps saying his name, like whether he either he forgot his name after he was just asked it or just didn't want to say his name and just referred to him as him and him over and over and over. That's concerning to me because if you have such a close relationship with your players, I would think that you would refer to them as by their name in this. Yeah, that was. here. Here's number two. He... So everything that's come out is that McClure's entering the transfer portal. Right. He's going to another university. Right. What he told Morris is that he wants to step away from football and, and get a job and, and take care of his family. Totally understandable. So which one's who who's he lying to? That d- doesn't matter. Like if he ends up in the transfer portal, that so McClure is looked at in the locker room mm-hmm. as a leader, as someone the other players look up to. He may not be a big piece on the field. He's a huge piece in the locker room. And, and so, from that perspective, the fact that he tells the coach that is supposed to be the guy they all look up to, one right. thing, and then does something different, that is the first sign. That's the first sign to me that I saw today that confirmed some of the stuff that I've been hearing. But it's also the first time that, that, it, that since Morse has been here that I feel like he's losing his team. You know, we know he lost the team last year. He's lost, he's potentially lost this team. Now, word comes out later that Devin McClure 
I mean, that, uh, that Devin Bush has decided to transfer. Well, in the same press conference, he's asked about freshman defensive backs specifically not playing much. And he bounces around with, well, you know, we, we don't want to put them out there and, 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 and ruin their confidence or, or, or this, that, and the other. And just a bunch of excuses as to why he hasn't played them. And they're still trying to bring them along, trying to bring them along, trying to get them ready. Well, then they interview Chavis and ask Chavis the exact same question and tell him basically what Chad responded with. And Chavis bounced around it with his response and then made a comment about how Bumper Pool last year was thrown into the fire way too early. But he did really well. But he's, you know, he did he did really well. So, and then Chavis stopped himself and said, "But I mean, it's a little easier at linebacker." So that raises a couple questions. One, does Morris know his team? <coughs> and two, how much infighting do we have going on between the staff? I, I Will, what's up, Will? Will's, Will's over here. So, he's chomping at the bit, isn't he? Interesting question. Remember the anonymous mm-hmm. thing that came out last year about. Morris, what what do you say? Um, he was only he was only uh, he was personal. Fake. Basically, he was fake. Yeah, he was fake. Yeah. Well, I mean, these tweets I'm I'm reading. There's a lot of tweets right now being put out by get uh, you know Briston yeah. Gidry, but there are also some other ones that are uh, being liked by f- current players like Jordan Jones, um, TQ Jackson's liking some tweets about you know are there any receivers that may be a uh, Maybe trying to get some more playing time and all this type stuff. The the uh, gar- the dumpster that you see floating down the river. Yeah, Gidry uh, tweeted. But several, at, at what players point had like that? Yeah, but and we all thought that it was. And I can name the name. I can say the name now because he's no longer at the university. It, we all thought it was Jared Cornelius. Right. Okay. I'm beginning to wonder if it was him at all. I mean, it very, the thing and is, and if it was, if it was, and now you have current players saying that now, and and they're being really cryptic. I mean, right, and that's the thing is we've got the 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 concerning part right now is how cryptic the players are. Um, I hope to be able to reach out to some folks over the next twenty four hours if something doesn't break before then. Um, <clears throat> I'm I'm really curious about where this locker room is. Um, I don't I don't think. I, 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 and you know, you, you, Will, you keep busting my chops about saying that, um, uh, Alabama and LSU are going to be shutouts. The way that it's going, can you, can you prove me wrong? Their defense is giving up tons of points. So but if our so, team has completely given up on the coaching well, that's staff, a whole different, no, 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 that's totally different than an actual team that's trying to get out there right. and score and win games. You know, when a when a team gives up on a coach is what you see last year against Mississippi State and Missouri. And what, who's saw, to, okay, but who's to say that doesn't happen on Saturday? It very well may, but what I'm from what I've been hearing about is is if Arkansas actually goes out there and tries to play, they wouldn't get shut out. Yeah. Now, if, if they let go of the rope like they did under Bielema and they did last year at the end of the year, yeah, they'll get. I feel like that that's where we're heading base. before the even. Back quarter of the, of the schedule. Well, I'll say this based on what the two conversations that I've had today with, with the folks that I've had conversations with. One is adamant that a change would only happen if, um, if it's a big name. So we'll just leave that out there. The other... Who are you going to get at this point? 
There's a couple of big names not coaching. I'm not, don't don't freak out and think that I'm that I'm that I'm saying Bobby P. That's no, not one of the names. Houston uh, Nutt. Definitely not one of the names. I couldn't so, help myself. Yeah. John so, L. Smith. Yes. So there's <laughs> there's there's some guys out there that would be that would be possibilities. Here's my thing. I, so I, I I've theorized this in my head. <laughs> that's I, dangerous. Well, no. So I always try to wrap my head around things and really talk myself in or out of something and just right. see if it makes sense. And so that's what I've been doing, trying to defend this coaching staff and this program over the last 48 hours. But and my number one, my number one reason for not getting rid of Morris isn't because I believe he's the guy. My number one reason for not getting rid, getting rid of Morris is the optics of getting rid of a coach before he has two recruiting classes in. You're not going to attract a high-level coach to come in here and fix a dumpster fire when you didn't even give the coach that's here time to fix the dumpster fire. That's my point, is who you're going to get if you're going to fire a guy a class and a half in. Right, but I think it actually benefits the university if guys start transferring because and, and we start getting our heads bashed in like we did last year because then the optics change. Then it becomes... You have to fire this guy. This team, there is no fight. This this team has quit again, not just once, but twice. It's not Brett Bielema's fault. It's not Brett Bielema's players' fault. It's obviously Chad Morris's fault. Well, how many how many people still on roster are Brett Bielema's guys? It's not much. It's only 30-ish percent, maybe. 30 percent. 25, 30 percent. Like so question. How, would you be opposed to less miles? I wouldn't be opposed to less money. At, at this point, point you after- want, okay, you want my honest opinion about that? I'm, and it, and it goes back to another Kansas coach. We'll get into that later in the year. Oh, no. um, they should have they should have thrown everything they could at Les Miles. That's who I wanted to begin with. See, I was totally against Les Miles. When no, we fired, when we fired Bielema, yes. Yeah, oh yeah, no, I wouldn't. Yes, when we fired Bielema, I mean, come on, Les Miles had just got fired from. From LSU after taking a team who's getting top three and top four classes and winning seven games, yes, you you say no to him. <laughs> if if Les but, Miles comes here with the right staff, yeah, with the right staff and and recruiting again, I mean, I think this you know Kansas job kind of lit a fire. Well, look at it this yeah. way. Look at it this way. Les can actually eat grass here now. Oh god, <laughs> that is true. I, I had to throw that out there, y'all. So but, is that the real reason we went to grass preparing for yeah, less instead preparing of for hey, instead of Chad? Are you into conspiracy theories? Sure, why not? I mean, but so do we offer? Uh, let's say Bob Stoops. Do we offer him eight million? I a year? totally you offer f- Bob Stoops ten million and say get your butt over here. And and here's the thing here. <laughs> but you, as far as coordinators, who are you gonna get? Whoever Bob Stoops wants. And here's the here's here's, here's, here's my <laughs> issue. You here, pay a million to a million five per coordinator and get some people. Here. Here's my issue. Okay. Ch- uh, 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 Morris came out when he first got hired and he had his offensive coordinator, but it took forever to get a D coordinator. We went a long time without a D coordinator. That's he was coaching. Hold he on. Was coaching. Yeah, but he said, we're going to get the best D coordinator in the country. Everybody automatically went to Venables and then Chavis shows well, up. Well, there was no realistic shot at Venables. They only went to him because he had a past with him but yeah, and really not I, I asked this on our live show this week I asked this on our, on our live show this week is Chavis really the best we can do well so he okay let, let's let, let's 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 discuss that a second though Venables was never a real option I know this I, I again the 
people that I know kept me up to date. Of course not. Ven- Venables was never a true option. There was actually never much of a conversation there. I mean, it was a courtesy conversation, but Morris knew from the outset he would never be able to take Venables from his current situation. Not unless you, you know, pay him $5 million. Chavis was his number one choice for a couple of reasons. Chavis brings a name that he hoped would help recruit to the area. That was number one. How's that worked out for him? It, it's a, it has actually worked well. He has brought in some big defensive recruits. They're just not on the field right now. Number two is is um, I don't, <laughs> where are we at on time? We good? Okay. So um, but so so the set, the other reason that he brought Chavis in was for what? So you've got this high energy staff. Right. And you bring a guy in to kind of try to even things out and do his own thing on the defensive side because Chavis knows how to do that and he's had some experience with with a high pat with a high pace offense. Obviously, though, I think the better mold would have been to find a a, a young, more up and coming guy that melded that, that mixed with your with your staff a little better. Um, but so so from that perspective, yes, Chavis was the number one choice. That's who they wanted. Um, but. One one thing that's that's highly concerning as you start thinking about going forward, we talk about those 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 freshmen, these highly rated freshmen. I'm hearing reports as up to as as many as eight freshmen could be transferring. Uh, that's is that concerning at all? It's uh, yeah. I mean, I'm asking a legit. I'm, 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 I, of course, I'm asking a stupid question. I know that if if you're listening, please don't wreck your car. But but I mean, at what point do we stop and go? Something's got to change because it, it, most changes happen at the end of the season. We all right, know this, right? I, we're in a situation now where a change has to happen. Here, now. here's here's the thing, though. This was also something. So I had this conversation with someone on Twitter today, talking. Somebody asked me what my thoughts about what Yurichek would do, and I said honestly, Yurichek uh, is a wild card because of the situation. Yurichek didn't hire this guy, much like he was a wild card in the Mike Anderson situation. Well, so I get a phone call literally right before I pulled up over here and um, getting information from another good source. And his what he said was the exact same thing. He said, look, he said, I wouldn't anticipate a, a move being made before the end of the season. Um, however, Hunter Juracek is a he's a, he's a wild card in this, in this whole scenario. Yeah. He said, because he said when Mike was fired, he told everybody, we're retaining Mike, we're retaining Mike, we're keeping Mike, and then he pulled Mike in an office and fired him. Well, and and I, I got I, I around the, the situation around Mike. Huh? I, I was struggling to get words out. Um, one of the things that I had heard was my uh, uh, Hunter asked him, what is your plan on winning? How do you plan on winning ballgames? Mm-hmm. Mike didn't have a plan. Right. And that's what that's what put the final nail in the coffin. Now, here's the kicker about Chad Morris. Hunter Juracek had no hand. The only knowledge he had was, Chad's our guy. We're going to hire him. Well, just, And yeah. all he said was, okay. So, Juracek didn't sign off right. on Chad. I mean, he just kind of said, all right. Well, mm-hmm. much like Mike, he wasn't his guy. So, so, I mean, Hunter, this isn't Hunter's guy. This isn't Hunter's hire. He has no ties to him. He doesn't have to keep him. And honestly, if Arkansas goes out and, and as – so at this point, as it looks from what we're with everything that's come out today in the last 20, 12 hours, really, really last six hours, it seems that he's lost his team. The other thing that's concerning, the why it's so concerning these freshmen are recruit are, are transferring. What did Morris promise these guys when when he was recruiting them? Playing time. 
But yet he comes out now and says, "Oh well, we don't, we don't, we don't want to get him out there too fast." He's backpedaling. So, so you've been made promises by this staff that you're going to come in and you're going to play, and then you get here and you don't because they're bringing you along. Look, I'm sorry. More like stringing you along. I'm sorry, but why is Baby Henry not on the field? Yeah, that's what I want to know. Like, like I, this guy, we know, we know what talent he has. Uh, 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 the, uh, Channel Seven did a, a stat. KATV did a stat. Okay. And they compared Bielema and Morris through their first 18 games. Oh, no. Did y'all see this? I did. I haven't dug into it. I know that you the numbers. You dig into the schedules. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot deeper than just well, and, and, and But, but and look at it, though. Look at it, though. Yes. Yeah, Bielema was 6-12. and 12. Morris is 4-14. and 14. They're both on 11 in SEC play. Right. Now, Bielema won the games you were supposed to. 20, well, yeah. But 26.8 points per game, 23.5 for Morris. 28.4 points allowed to 32.3. The differential was 1.6 for Bielema, 8.8 8. 8 for Morris. Yeah, but one thing that I did look at already on that, that first year of, of Bielema, he had Brandon Allen, um, he had Jonathan Williams, he had Alex Collins, he had a returning offensive line. He had talent. He had Sam Pittman. But, yeah, but, I mean, he still had talent on the field. So, you know, he was he was in a good place. I mean, I don't know that you – that's not apples to apples. I, I saw that, but I, I don't – I think I don't think that was that's not apples to apples. No, and I don't. I, and and again, Will made a very good point. You got to look at the schedules. Bielema won the games he was supposed to win at that well, point. But, and but except I bet now, for Toledo. But his SEC schedule, if you look at it, I did see that too. His SEC schedule was much tougher than ours has been. So like his East opponents were like a highly ranked Florida. Um, Georgia was highly ranked. I think was one of them, and there was another highly ranked. Might have been Tennessee when they were ranked. No, Somebody. Tennessee hadn't been – Tennessee wasn't ranked. At the, it was uh, – uh, South, South Carolina. South Carolina. That's right. That's yeah. it, South, South Carolina. Carolina. So, you had you had those three, and then um, – and then and then we've – our East opponents have been, what, ten, uh, no. Yeah, our, ours have been Kentucky and whoever they've been. So, yeah. so I mean, it, it's it's not apples to apples Vanderbilt. at all. Vanderbilt. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's not apples to apples at no, all. No, it's, it's really not. It's coming up next – we're going to pick the brain of Andrew Hutchinson at NWA Hutch. You're not going to want to miss it. i got several questions for him coming up on Inside the Natural State. Subscribe to Inside the Natural State and give us a five-star review on your favorite podcast app. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat at Natural State Sports. Welcome back to Inside the Natural State. Joining Zach and Steve is Andrew Hutchinson of Hogbeat.com. You can find him on Twitter at NWA Hutch. Welcome back to Inside the Natural State. Zach and Steve here with you. Joined by Andrew Hutchinson of Hogbeat.com. You can find him on Twitter at NWA Hutch. Hutch, what's going on, buddy? Oh, not much. Uh, How are y'all doing? Not much. (laughs) Well... (laughs) I think not much was an understatement, but for me, I, you know, as a Razorback fan, I'm I'm still hurting a little bit, but life goes on. Yeah, yeah, it's hey, it's understandable. Yeah, I don't know what to think right now. To be honest, I'm 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 kind of all over the place right now. Yeah, you've been <laughs> you've been going nothing to nothing all day. So, so so I I gotta ask just before we really get going here, but are you guys like chasing your tails over there with all the tweets going out right now on social media? <laughs> Yeah, it's it's one of those deals where like I was I was working earlier this afternoon 
after, you know, the, the normal Monday afternoon uh, press conferences, I'm writing my story from that. And Nikki sends me a text saying, hey, I'll write the Devin Bush story. I'm like, what's going on with Devin Bush? Yeah. And then sure enough, I pull up Twitter and, hey, he's transferring. I'm like, oh, my goodness. I mean, it's just one of those deals where uh, it feels like the wheels are coming off and uh, it's getting ready to spiral. Uh, it's got that kind of feeling to it, kind of. So, Hutch, I'm going to go ahead and ask some of the hard questions, but is Coach Morris in over his head? Oh, you know, it, it's starting to seem like that. It, it really is. Uh, I mean, they, it, obviously, you got last year, you know, 2-10, and 10, losses to Colorado State, uh, to North Texas. You got this year losing to San Jose State. Uh, this past weekend, what really concerned me was that just some of the de- decisions that were made like I mean last year you can somewhat chalk it up to hey you got to get talent in here you got to you got to get Chad's players in here to run his system because it was completely different I think there was something to that uh but this year it like this Kentucky game just it just some of the decision making just left you scratching your head I mean there's no reason a, a wide receiver turned quarterback should run for 200 yards on you that that it just was inexcusable, in my opinion, because it's not like it's Cam Newton back there who, you know, also has the threat to, you know, throw it for 300 on you. I mean, this is a guy that was going to run the ball. They threw it 12 times to 54 runs. I just don't understand why they couldn't back the box, uh, but do something, do something, just play to, to stop the run. And if they complete, you know, a crazy, you know, fade route like they did on that one touchdown – you know, so be it. I mean, that's just that's they're going to hit one or two of those for sure. But you're going to stop the run, and if you stop the run, it's going to be hard for them to move the ball. So uh, I just, I just, it was a little, a little confusing for me. Uh, and of course, some of that falls on on John Chavis, the defensive coordinator. But again, Chad Morris is the head coach, so uh, it was. It's starting to feel kind of like he may be a little in over his head, which is unfortunate. I, I think Chad's a great guy. I think he's a solid football coach. I think he's got, you know, solid, you know, football mind. Uh, he's had success elsewhere, but it's, this is the SEC. It's, it's chewed up and fed out uh, many a, a pretty good coach. Yeah. I, I, so I've like spent the vast majority of the last 48 hours trying to defend some of what I saw this weekend. Um, like everything I can just back and forth with folks and, because there were things that I saw that I thought were fairly correctable, but it's the same stuff we've been talking about that should be fairly correctable for 18 games now. Um, so what, what is – I, I got to feel today as, we, as I was listening to the press conference and as we start talking about the transfers that are coming out, the thought that I got when listening to Morris talk about McClure and, and his decision, do we know if he's going into the transfer portal? Well, I mean, that's why I, I, mean, I specifically asked Chad that at the very end of the press conference. I said, hey, just to follow up, you know, is, is he going in the transfer portal? Is he, trying, is he trying to play somewhere else his final year? And he said that as of when he came into the press conference that he hadn't. However, I've seen some reports uh, that he is going to enter the transfer portal and try to play somewhere else. I thought that was a little unusual why he wouldn't just tell Chad that. I mean, there's nothing he could do about it, really. Uh, so, I mean... I thought that was a little weird, uh, but, I mean, he's, he's going to have to do it as a grad transfer, which I assume, you know, he's 25, almost 26 years old now, so you figure he's probably getting close to, to graduating. He's been in school for four years. 
because uh, he's a fourth-year junior. Uh, so I, I would figure he's probably going to be a grad transfer, maybe go try to try to play somewhere else. I'm not sure where, uh, but it does. I do think he'll he'll at least give it a shot. He may end up changing his mind and saying, "Hey, I've I've got a kid. I'm 26 years old. I want to start the next chapter of my life." So I think that's probably still a little bit of a, a fluid situation. Yeah, I guess my where my concern comes in. I just just get your your opinion is. When you think so, so the McClure news comes out, and then the question is asked of of Morris in the press conference today about not playing the freshman defensive backs, and he, you know, he, he makes his comments about you know, them not being ready, not wanting to throw them out there. Chavis responds with that, and then it's and I know Bush has played four games, but then it comes out immediately after that almost that Bush tweets out that he's leaving. Um, does I mean has can we start to assume? I mean, with everything else that's happening, is Morris losing this team? Uh, you know, I think we'll really only find out that answer with how they play. I mean, I really don't even know how much you can put into how they play this weekend and the following weekend because it's, you know, Auburn and Alabama. I mean, it's the number 11 and number one team in the country. Probably going to be bad whether or not he's lost the team. Uh, but I think, you know, the way they play against Mississippi State and Western Kentucky will tell us if he's lost the team or not, because those are, those are winnable games. Uh, even if they don't beat Mississippi state, if they at least play well and don't just, you know, show up and get boat race. Uh, and you know, if they beat Western Kentucky, which it's sad that we're talking about if they can beat them, but if they can beat them, I think it'll be, it'll kind of show that he's still kind of got a handle on the team. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you knew that this was going to come. You knew that the transfers were going to come whenever you know, they, They've lost the San Jose State. They've lost the Ole Miss. They've lost Kentucky. They've already made it through the, the easy part of their schedule, and they're two and four. Mm-hmm. Uh, bowl game is not looking likely. Hasn't for the last few weeks, uh, and it's starting to look more and more like they're on their way to another two and ten, or at best a three and nine or four and eight season. So uh, I guess I'm not particularly surprised that there have been some uh, departures and transfers. Uh, especially a guy like Devin Bush, which, you know, it seemed like over the last couple of weeks that he may have been passed on the depth chart by Brito Tut, a, a, a seldom-used senior who uh, is off-injured. Uh, so I, I'm, I wasn't particularly surprised by it, uh, but it is unfortunate because he, he was one of those four-star guys that came in with the intent of turning around the program. Hutch, have the coordinators just let go of the rope at this point in the season? I mean – what we saw against, like like you were just talking about a few minutes ago, what what we saw against Kentucky, I mean, there was there was there was a lot of questions. I mean, has Craddock and Chavis just kind of let go of the rope at this point? Uh, it's hard to say. I mean, I think you know, I was more disappointed with what Chavis did against Kentucky than Craddock, uh, basically because I've already explained why what Chavis, you know, not not selling out to stop the run, stacking the box. Right. I would have done some more things like that. Uh, Craddock, it seemed it was more of like an execution issue. Uh, some of the plays I had drawn up for Nick Starkle in the first half and even in the, the beginning of the second half were well drawn up plays, I thought, that could have worked if Nick didn't just have the worst game we've seen him have. Uh, I mean, maybe outside of the five interception game at San Jose State, uh, he, was, he was bad Nick instead of good Nick, I guess I should say. Uh, if if he was on, I feel like it would have been a better showing by the offense. Uh, 
whereas I felt like the defense was more of a schematical issue, in my opinion, of course. Yeah. Um, but I, I thought that I thought that you know the, my biggest complaint about the offense was not switching to Ben Hicks earlier because it was pretty clear early on that that Nick was off and out of rhythm, out of sync. I mean, Chad Morris said as much after the game. Uh, I, I would have gone to Ben Hicks a little bit earlier than who knows. Maybe that could have been the difference and, and helped you win the game. Yeah, I you know, I actually agree with you on, on your opinion there, the, the defense. I thought there were some times where the defense was made some really poor decisions in, in terms of – there was one play in particular that was on one of those fake tosses where Bumper was following the running back, Scooter had the quarterback, and, uh, and Brooks had the, the tight end. And all three of them crashed on the fake pitch, and the tight end was wide open. Is that play early where he, you know, kind of ran everybody over all the way down to around that ten yard line? Um, but the other thing that I, when you're talking about, because I was, you know, I was reading through your seven keys, and you were talking about converting in the red zone, and you know they did get the field goals. They were what two of three in the red zone, um, but one possession that I thought was extremely important when you're talking about Starkle being off was the first field goal. When they got down, a lot of people got upset about the play calls because they threw every time. But on the first play, they had the middle wide open, and Starkle throws behind O'Grady, and it's incomplete. And then the next play, they throw to Boyd, and it was a good throw, and Boyd had four blockers in front of him, and he dropped it. So you had opportunities inside the 10 in that scenario, and you couldn't score. So Absolutely. I mean, you know, Joe Craddock actually talked about that in a press conference. He said, you know, if, if you just hit – Oh, Grady right there. It's a touchdown on first down and everyone's happy. And, you know, if you just throw it a little bit ahead of them, I mean, he's, you're probably the most reliable pass catcher on the team. So why not? I mean, I, I thought it was a great call. Uh, he, he's a guy that's going to catch. He's your playmaker. I thought the, the pass to Boyd you mentioned was actually a screen, which, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of coaches, uh, Craddock even said it today, they consider that kind of an extension of the run game, which it should be because it's a really short, easy pass. He dropped it. You know, he's a guy that you get at men's face. He's a guy that can, can get you nine yards and get you a touchdown. And then, of course, at that point, when those two plays don't work, you're in third and nine, and what are you going to do? You're not going to dial up a run play because uh, if you run and get four yards, people are like, oh, what are, what are you doing? You're not going to get nine yards on a run play. Uh, so it, it was really unfortunate uh, that that kind of happened because, I mean, that was a little bit on Nick making a bad throw and also a little bit on Boyd not hauling in the screen pass and, you know, making something happen. Yeah, and, and also when I think about the offense, this was part of, where I guess, where I was defending, especially on the offensive side of the ball was, I mean, you you can't you can't really come into the game expecting your quarterback to not be able to complete an eight-yard pass. And then and then your your best running back goes crazy in the first quarter and then does hurts the same shoulder again, goes through the same issues he's been going through. And, and it's like, your best quarterback has all these issues, and now your best running back can't stay on the field. So, I mean, in some ways, you got to feel bad for what Craddock's having to deal with on the offensive side of the ball. But well, the defense isn't helping them out at all. Yeah, that's why I kind of give Craddock somewhat of a pass. I mean, there's been times this year where I'm like, man, what are they doing on offense? But but Saturday against Kentucky was not one of them because I, I really did feel like some of the plays they had drawn up would have worked. Even even those last last couple of plays uh, at the very end of the game. You know, they had, I think it was first and 10 at the 17. They dial up a quarterback draw. People are like, well, what are you doing running with Ben Hicks? He's not much of a runner. Well, if you actually watch the play, if, if Myron Cunningham was pulling around behind the center 
and was going to kick out the linebackers, he had not gotten tangled up with Ty Clary, he would have been able to kick out the linebacker, and Ben Hicks would have been able to run for at least six or seven yards instead of two. And so then you're facing second and three. Then you maybe run with Rakeem Boyd because he's going to get you three or four yards. You get a first down, and you're inside the 10-yard line, and then you're in business. So uh, there were times where it was a good play design. It just wasn't executed correctly because of maybe one guy not doing their job or something like that. You know, Nick Starkle missing a wide open Traylon Burks over the middle for what would have been like a 15 or 20 yard gain at least. At least. Mm-hmm. I mean, because he's a guy that can do something with the ball after he has it. Uh, that that that's pretty that's pretty inexcusable. You can't really blame the coaches. They're not out there dropping the pass, uh, dropping balls, or you know, it, throwing incomplete passes. Hutch, have we heard anything about Jalen Catalan? I mean, we've heard lots of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it's just that they they keep saying like, "Hey, he's a guy that we're gonna we're gonna start playing him more. Hey, he's a guy that is gonna get on the field. He's got we've got to get on the field." And yet, we have yet to really see him on the field. I think he's played in two games. Uh, one was at the very end of the Ole Miss game when he was on the field for the two kneel downs. Didn't really make sense to me why he'd burn one of the four games in that game. Uh, and then the other one was, I believe, in the San Jose State game. He actually played a couple of snaps uh, of meaningful football, but it was literally just two snaps. You really can't can't really tell much from two snaps. No, so, you really can't. Yeah, I, he's a guy that I feel like that they got to get away, get him on the field because he's a guy They, I mean – they they gave his brother a scholarship, uh, Kendall Catalan. Uh, that's mm-hmm. something I don't think a lot of people realize is that you know he he transferred in for he was at Southern, uh, an FCS school, uh, and you know he he was a pretty good player at Southern. I think he was their leading receiver or whatever, but probably not an SEC caliber guy. And they they basically gave him a scholarship, and they get Catalan. I mean it's it pretty it's pretty obvious what happened there. Uh, and they were doing everything they could to get a player like that, which I think I'm all for it if he's a guy that's going to be a big-time contributor. And Chad Morris said when he signed him, he's one of the top five players he's ever seen in, in Texas and mentioned him along the, the likes of Vince Young. So pretty high expectations for him and for a guy that hasn't even hardly seen the field through six games. So is, is Morris losing the trust right now? Because, I mean, I know there's some – extenuating things with Devin Bush. There's been, you know, I mean, that was always, that was kind of a, a different type of, um, you know, the recruiting of him was a little, <laughs> was a little different anyway. But, um, I mean, you got a lot of guys, a lot of these freshmen that were promised playing time, and and now they're not finding where the field, and especially guys, like you said, about Catalan, who, I mean, for all intents and purposes, has been talked about as being the next great thing on the defensive side of the ball, and we've not seen him sniff the field. Exactly. I mean, I think Catalan and Bush were the two that really surprised me the most, uh, at least on the defensive side of the ball. Then on the other side of the ball, maybe Hudson Henry uh, being a guy that I figured would would be a contributor right away. Uh, You don't really have to worry about him transferring, I don't think. I mean, he's he's Arkansas through and through with his brothers and uh, his dad and everything. Uh, But most, I mean, a lot of those freshmen are Playing, I mean, Stromberg is starting. You got Burks and Knox leading the way at receiver. You got, you know, uh, Brooks is starting on defense. Uh, you know, Soley is starting on defense. Clay has played quite a bit. Uh, Zach Williams has played quite a bit. Uh, I guess maybe Eric Gregory would be a guy that you would, would figure would play more, but at least hit, make 
sense why he hasn't played because he had the injury during fall camp and that kind of set him back. Uh, but the ones that really just were really baffling were Catalan and, and Bush as well. I kind of thought Bush would, would get more playing time at corner uh, just because right now, I mean, Monteric Brown and Jarquez McClellan and even the safeties, uh, you know, uh, Curl and, and uh, Fouché, those guys are playing almost 100% of the snaps right now. And, and that's, that's even though the coaches say it's not wearing them down and that's not a big issue, I really feel like it is. Uh, I don't think it's a coincidence that, you know, Kentucky was able – I mean, uh, I guess uh, Lynn Bowden – the quarterback, the wide receiver turned quarterback got like half of his yard on the last two possessions of the game. I don't, I don't think that's a coincidence. I think that that's a defense that's getting worn down because they're playing too many snaps, and that's primarily in the secondary. Yeah, and I mean, because I looked through a lot of the play chart, because after, after both Morrison and Chavis both made comments about the, uh, the fact that they weren't worn down, that wasn't the issue. We were just in a bad alignment on one and whatever else he was talking about. But like, so those last couple of possessions, um, so after – so when we scored to make it 20-17, to 17, that was a 30-second drive because it was after the Burks uh, punt return um, and then the Burks when he was supposed to pass it but then brought it down and ran for the 11-yard drive. And then so we had just come off of Kentucky having the ball for like a minute and a half and then we have the ball for 30 seconds and then we give it right back to Kentucky and they drive straight down the field in three and a half minutes. So I think there's a lot to that, that the defense was pretty wore out. That's, it makes it even more puzzling why we're not seeing some of those guys playing at least at, at a little bit of depth. I mean, you're, now you're really short at linebacker. I know McClure didn't, didn't really come out, didn't, didn't put much out there. But, um, but so, yeah, I mean, it is really concerning, I think, that we haven't seen some of those guys play. What, what's the deal with Chase Hayden? Well, you know, he had the concussion. Uh, I guess it was – I guess he maybe suffered it in the San Jose State game because he missed the Texas A&M game, uh, didn't travel to Lexington uh, for the Kentucky game. He was out uh, during the open week. We didn't see him at practice. Uh, but we did see him at practice last week, so it seems like he's, he's healthy. I mean, he wasn't in a green jersey or anything, uh, but they, they seem to be still kind of keeping, keeping a close eye on him uh, and – you know, it's one of those things where, like, it's concussion, so you never want to be too – you can't be too safe about it. I mean, that, that's your brain. That, that You can't mess around with that. Uh, but also the, the skeptic inside of me goes, Chase Hayden, he's got a red shirt available. He's appeared in four games. Is there something there that maybe he's, he's asked them not to play him this year to preserve the year of eligibility? Uh, that wouldn't surprise me. Uh, I think we saw it a little bit last year with T.J. Hammond it was a while before we really found out like, you know, hey, he's got, you know, an injury or something. And that, that's what they kept saying. And it was just kind of a weird deal where he ended up just playing in four games. It wouldn't surprise me if Chase Hayden's doing something similar. I don't know if he's doing it so that way he can, you know, preserve the year of eligibility and have still two years left, uh, you know, moving forward, or if he's maybe doing it so he can, you know, transfer. I'm not sure. Uh, or if he's doing it at all. I mean, it may truly just be, a concussion, but there, there's all those things you got to kind of wonder and think as he continues to, to be on the sideline. So is there uh, – sorry, Zach, I had one more. So oh, coming, you're fine. coming off of that, um, do you see a scenario where – because I've, I've kind of been adamant that you don't fire this coach before you get two, two recruiting classes in, and I'm not, not, not trying to say we should, but is there – do you see – 
the possibility? I mean, if this team goes two and ten or three and nine, do you see the possibility of Morris coming back? Ah, uh, you know, I mean, that's the million dollar question. I, I feel like we're definitely going to see uh, some shakeup on the staff at the absolute minimum, uh, potentially at one or both coordinator spots. Uh, I feel like you, you've got to at least show you're you're making some sort of effort to change things. Um, but I, I'm, I just, I struggle to see how you could bring back a coach who goes 0 and 16 to start his career in the SEC. That is something that has never happened in the history of the SEC, which was formed in 1933. Uh, no coach has lost their first 16 SEC games. It's just, it's never happened. So it would be truly historic if he were to, to go 0 and 16 and even more historic if they were to bring him back after that that would be I would be stunned I think it would probably catch the eye of uh, at least the, the rest of the regions you know the Southeast Conference region uh, if not the national attention being like man they're still keeping this guy after going you know back to back two and ten or you know even a, a, a two and ten followed by a three and nine because again like I said it's not like these non-conference games he's losing are to Michigan or Notre Dame or something like that's on the schedule next year. Mm-hmm. This is Mountain West teams that he's losing to, and that's just to me it's inexcusable. And uh, I I would just see a, I would have a hard time seeing how they could bring him back and sell it to the fan base uh, without having a, a, a practically empty stadium every week out. Agreed, Hutch. A lot of what's been talked about over the last forty-eight hours is the end of the first half where there was about 55 seconds left and they just kind of walked all over the field and just kind of left it. What was what was the and I'm going to and I'm going to say this and I'm going to be a harsh critic about it. What was his excuse for doing that? Yeah, it's definitely an excuse. It's very weird reasoning. Uh he basically said that it's because they they knew that uh, Kentucky had, I think, all three of its timeouts, and he wasn't sure if he was gonna if uh, Kentucky was gonna try to use their timeouts and you know get the ball back. Uh, but that doesn't really make sense to me because one, there, I think at the time when the third down play would have been run, you know, there's maybe 35, 40 seconds left. Uh, you got a punter who's been punting the ball really well in the game, and Sam Lloyd you think you can at least get a 40-yard punt off, you know, from, let's say you're at the 30. That pins them back pretty deep. They've got an offense or a quarterback that is not a throwing threat, so it's really hard to move down the ball quickly and without eating up a bunch of time running the ball. And their kicker, his, I grant he had a 50-yarder in the game, has been extremely inconsistent this season. So, to me, it was very low-risk, high-reward, but he was treating it like it was high-risk, low-reward. Right. Very, very weird for me because you if you're Arkansas, you just got to move maybe, what, 40 yards in 40 seconds, and you've got a kicker who's proven to be able to make a 55-yard field goal who's attempted a 60-yard field goal in his career. So, I mean – yeah, it, it, it didn't make sense to me. And, and you know, he, he basically said the same thing after the game, uh, and then he repeated it again today at Monday's press conference. It just it doesn't make sense to me, and I have a hard time uh, accepting it as like a – he was, as someone else mentioned to me, he, he was coaching scared. And, and you, can't, you can't coach scared when you're 0-10 in the SEC looking for your first SEC win against a team that is probably your last really good chance of winning the game. 
Yeah, I looked at the folks that I was watching the game with, and I said, I 100% feel like he was scared to let Starkle let the ball go as bad as he was. Like, I felt like he was afraid that Starkle would throw an interception. Yeah, and that may be it. But, I mean, if that's the case, why not go to Ben Hicks early? I know, and see (laughs) – I mean, that that goes back to what we were talking about earlier. And that was – and see, I've defended that in my head thinking, okay, two weeks ago, Morris came out and made the comment that he doesn't want his quarterbacks looking over there because someone asked him that question, did you think about replacing or whatever? And and he said, you know, he didn't want want his – quarterbacks looking over their shoulder so my thought process was that he just was trying to give Starkle every inch of rope he could possibly give him and and finally had no choice and that's I mean I guess that's how I'm defending it in my mind right now the decision to keep him in until almost the end or till the end of the third quarter basically but man I just uh, anyway yeah yeah I mean that's kind of what he must have been thinking was that he didn't want to make it you know seem like a quarterback competition again but you know here we are we we're going into to the seventh game of the season, and there is still that you know terrible or between their names on the depth chart. And, yeah. You know who knows who's going to come out as the quarterback, and you got people hollering for John Stephen Jones and KJ Jefferson, and before long they're going to be calling for Jack Lindsay. I mean, it's it's just one of those times where uh, it's 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 rough for Arkansas right now. Hutch, one more question before we let, we let you go. Do you remember the anonymous tweet that came out during the off season? Um, it said, quote, Chad, uh, Coach Morris did not try to develop any type of relationship with his players. Players hardly hear from, from him or see him unless there is a camera rolling. He, const- he constantly says one thing, but then does another. At first, we all thought it was a former player, but I'm beginning to believe now from what we're seeing on social media and, and the transfers and decommitments. I mean, do, is there, I mean, are you starting to feel that same way? I mean, what do you think? Yeah, I'm not really sure what to make of it. I, I, I said at the time that I really don't put much stock into anonymous quotes because uh, I feel like if, if you really mean something and are telling the truth, you put your name to it. Uh, you know, granted, some very special circumstances, like if you're reporting on, like, you know, corruption in government or something like that, but something silly and trivial like that, if you, especially if you're a former player, you put your name on it. I mean, that that's my big thing. And, and I... I don't know if there is something to it. I, I've heard conflicting reports uh, from people. That's one reason I've never reported on it uh, is because, you know, some people tell me that, Hey, there's some truth there, but some people tell me, Oh, it's, it's a, you know, load of hooey. Uh, but I, I'm not sure. I mean, it, it's hard for me to tell right now. And uh, we, we probably will never know. Uh, Cause I doubt any player would really want to come out and publicly trash a guy like that. Uh, although it's, it may happen. I mean, may, a guy may end up tweeting about it. Uh, you know, we saw it. Uh, I guess a Houston player did it, draft, trashing uh, Dana Holgerson oh, uh, about the way he handled everything. That that was something else. Oh, so that, maybe, maybe we get a, maybe we get something like that. Yeah, we'll see. That was an interesting read. That whole situation's bizarre, right? Well, Hutch, we appreciate you, man. We will talk to you next week. All right, sounds good, guys. Appreciate uh, appreciate you having me on. Right, thanks, Hutch. Have a good night, man. Remember to join us every week as Zach and Steve bring the best in fan reaction to Arkansas sports. Follow us on social media for the best of fan-driven, unfiltered content. We, the people. Stand tall, equal, and free. In pursuit of happiness. And premium American spring water. Mineral-rich, revitalizing goodness. 
with a naturally detoxifying high alkalinity. And 7.8 pH. Bottled in glass. To oxygenate our brave, proud selves. The healer and hydrator of. We. 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 The people. The Mountain Valley spring water. Back to the source. Welcome back, everybody. Oh, man. This it's been, been a really big back. information overload for you, isn't it? <laughs> My head's starting to hurt. You're, like, you're starting to short circuit. I'm looking at our, I'm looking at our show <laughs> schedule here, and I'm going, we didn't do that. We didn't do that. We didn't, okay, whatever. So, no, I'm just kidding. We actually did knock those out, but it was totally different than what I had feeling, what I, what I had going. So, oh, man. So, you good the, over there? The talk with Hutch was good. Yeah. I mean... Man, y'all got to give him a follow at NWA Hutch, and, and if you get a chance, get on him and him and Nikki both, man. Yeah, get on Hogbeat.com. Um, subscribe. They've some great, they've got some great deals going, so don't miss your opportunity there. Um, he, they've got great info. So, um, man, so I don't even know where to go anymore at this point. Like I had this whole thing planned out, but this is something that's bothered me. So we or not really bothered me. Something I've been thinking about because I remember when Chad Morris got hired. Good friend of mine was like, dude, you're going to have to convince me this is a good hire. And the more research I did on it, the more I felt good about it. Because right. when Chad Morris was hired, one of the things that Chad Morris said was that, because when they asked him about, you know, if he had looked at the film from the guys that we had and da-da-da, he said, he said, well, the one great thing about being a high school coach for so long is we always had to implement our offense to fit the guys that we had every year. And and so... This was the same press conference that he basically said, I'm just a high school coach? Yeah, yeah. So my that question wasn't a red flag to anyone. But, so here's my question: You watch Gus Malzahn run a similar version of this offense. What Gus does is, and the reason he's successful is a, when he is successful. The reason he is <laughs> is because he has two things: he has a dynamic running, physical running game with big, big offensive lines, and the or very physical offensive linemen, and then he usually has a very dynamic quarterback. When he doesn't have a dynamic quarterback, especially one that can't throw off different platforms, then they struggle. Except against Arkansas, then every anyway. So, my point is this: this offense can be run in, in a couple of different ways. From my understanding, you can either one have a an actual pocket passing quarterback, and and in his responsibility, his RPO is almost always going to be run pass. It's never there's not going to be a run for him. It's either going to be handoff to the running back, or some other type of motion portion of the offense, whether it's a receiver or, or whatever. Right. And then and then and then he's so he's making quick decisions, kind of like what Starkle's doing. You know, when Starkle when Starkle goes to the RPO, he has to make a quick decision on a slant. I don't something know if he's. I don't. I wouldn't call it a quick decision. Well, I think it'd be a panic. Well, no. When 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 Starkle is on, and like in the Colorado State game, and even in the Ole Miss game when he came in. Um, in both of those games, when Starkle was on, he did a good job of he moved. Yeah, okay, he, I can. He, he was yeah, quick. Yeah. He got the ball out fast, which is something Hicks doesn't do. So my point is this: Amen to that. You can run this offense with two different types of quarterbacks if you want. You can run it with the pocket passer who makes quick decisions and 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 then takes shots and uses your running game to get you down the field. 
You can also run an offense where you have a dual threat guy who's going to be able to get outside the tackles a little bit. He's going to be able to make things happen when things break down. My phone's blowing up again. I don't want to look at it. Um, and so, he, but so a, a dual threat guy doesn't necessarily have to be the most polished passer. He's just got to be accurate enough on different platforms to create mismatches. Yeah. Now we we have both of those type guys on campus in Starkle, the strong arm, big pocket passer guy and KJ. Now Hicks falls somewhere in the middle. He's, he's a game manager, which doesn't fit this offense. Great. But here's the reason here's, here's where I'm confused. I put a poll out today as to who people think the starter should be on Twitter. So yeah, by the time this, I shared that, so by the time this airs, it'll have been done and, and we'll see what happened there. But, um, and, and what people think, I think right now after 70 something votes, it's run, KJ is running away with it, which is understandable. We've seen the other two. Well, I was going to say, given the, the current situation, is, does that surprise you at all? No. And a couple of people even said, well, we, we can't get John Stephen Jones in there. Well, I don't think John Stephen Jones is really the third string quarterback, but that's a different story. So my point is this though. If the, the one way that the pocket passing quarterback in this offense fails is if his offensive line is bad. And it fails for two reasons. One, you cannot get a running game going because you, you're, you're, they're going to stack the box and stop you from running. But if your offense can't block long enough to allow a quarterback to take a three-step drop and get rid of the ball, then that's an issue as well. Now, of course, Starkle was really off on, on Saturday, so that's, that's a whole other thing. He's been off here lately. I mean, yeah, a little, yeah, he has. But so, so my question then is you, as a coach, came in and told us that you will fit the personnel – the best way, you know, he, he will you will mold this team to whatever they can do. Right. We haven't seen that. I mean, we we've not seen them use guys in ways that's appropriate for their talent level. And honestly, in my opinion, look, I I think I've, I've I have a hard time agreeing that KJ Jefferson should be the starter against Auburn, just because it's Auburn. But here's the thing: the more I talk. The more I talk to myself in my head about it, the more I convince myself. We all know that's dangerous. Well, it happens a lot. <laughs> so the more that I that I that I put that I spin this in my head, it makes no sense why KJ's not the starter. I understand that you brought Starkle and you brought you brought Hicks in because of experience, and and they're supposed to be that much better. They've played in systems, but they don't fit what this team can currently do. Your offensive line is not good. You're def- you're, they are getting absolutely murdered on a on a game by game basis. Hell, if if Austin Caps and uh, and and Stromberg make blocks on that final drive, we might actually score. But poor Ben Hicks gets murdered on back to back plays because literally the defensive tackles just ran right by both of them on consecutive plays. Yeah. So, oh come on, man. Ooh, that was fun. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> Will's playing with buttons or whatever. Oh, come on, man. Yeah, right? Oh, okay. There we go. <laughs> but I'm just so I'm I'm really confused as to why in the world we're not giving KJ a better chance, especially after the last two weeks. We had all this smoke blown up our butts about how he had such a great two weeks of practice and, and that he was traveling to Kentucky and, and it's like and then he never sniffed the field. So my, I, I mean, when you look at it from that perspective, I mean, I've, I've talked myself into it. I don't care if he's a freshman or not. Like, at this point, with everything that we're seeing going on right now, why the hell are you not just – you're coaching for your job, it would seem. So, you know what? You might, it doesn't matter. You might as well just throw it all out and make it happen. That, then, then that, that, that's what I asked Hutch in the last segment was, have they let go of the rope? And Because it, it seems – dude, okay, think about it, okay? You've had two weeks to prepare – you've had two weeks to prepare – for a team that you know is not going to throw the ball. 
and yes, still came out flat. So I don't. Okay, so I want to talk about that because I don't think they came out as flat. I, don't get me wrong; defense didn't play great. But all right, so the first drive of the if game, we didn't come out flat, we'd have won the game. Well, hang on. No, that's not necessarily true. So the game again. You got to remember, and Hutch touched on this a little bit too. Oh, I think half of of Bowden's yards came on the last two drives of the game. So that that's a chunk. It was over 100 yards of his work yeah. on that those two drives. So, but you look at it. So, I, I please the, tell me you're not trying to defend the 330 yards. No, no, I, no, I'm not because there's there's a lot of problems that went into that. But my point is this: I number one, I, like I told Hutch, I 100 percent believe that that defense was exhausted. You have oh, linebackers yeah, that down. played every single down, but and and you had a lot of guys doing things that were one hundred percent wrong on the field. Greg Brooks, if if you listen to the portion with with Hutch, and they even showed this on the Chad Morris show Sunday night, um, the the play I sent you guys the video of it in our yeah, group chat. Yeah. I mean, if you watch the linebackers flow and and then the nickel and Brooks flow, Bumper and Scooter are doing their job. They have their eyes on the backs. Why the hell is Greg Brooks looking in the backfield too when his only responsibility is the tight end that's on a streak up the field? That is his only job. And the minute that they fake that toss, all three of them crash to the ball, the tight end is wide open and then takes half our team with him all the way to the 10-yard line. So, so I mean – Who do you blame? Well, okay, so initially my blame, my feel was that you, you blame the players, and I still feel that because it is their job to execute it on the field. And when you watch the other guys doing their job, here's the thing. You watch the other guys on the field doing their job, they were doing their job. Greg Brooks was not doing his job. And that happened not just to Greg Brooks, to several guys on the same play. That drive, they ran that same play six straight times. I think it was maybe seven. It was at least seven. six straight times they ran that play where, where it was whatever variation, where it was the fake toss or they really tossed it or Bowden kept it. You have keys. Stay in your lanes and trust your eyes. I think another massive problem on the defensive side of the ball is we lack a ton of talent. And when we lack a ton of talent, what happens to guys that have talent? They look and they see a guy like Greg Brooks making a dumb decision, so they feel like they have to make up for what Greg Brooks isn't doing as well. So a guy like Scooter or a guy like Bumper tries to do too much. Try to over-execute? He tries to over... He's trying to do two people's job, which okay. then puts two people out of position. And so. so, And so, to me, I think there's a combination. That, at the end of the day, falls on coaching and preparedness going into the game. I will agree with that. And so... But like I said to somebody else, if you have kids, you totally understand what it's like to tell your child to do something 500 times, and on the 501st time he does something the, the same stupid thing again. Because I feel like I just had this conversation with my nine, with my 10 year old daughter. But but it's, and so it's no different. telling her 500 times don't do something and yeah. And yeah. It, but it's no different. I mean, you're telling. I mean, yeah, these are college kids, but you're telling 120 of them what to do, and there's no guarantee that they're going to do it. But at what point? Field. At what point do you look at the coaches and go, okay, you're not pulling this guy. You, you you're looking at and saying, okay, he's failing his execution. Yeah, you, coaches aren't out on the field, okay, and you can defend that all day long. But at some point, it falls back on the coaches. It does, but who are you pulling them for? That's the question. I mean, I know we can go down the depth chart, but at this point, anybody that could do their job. But obviously, we're, I mean, now we're only left to make this assumption, but obviously they're not doing their job in practice. Or, no, or, no, no, no. To hear Coach Morris in his uh, 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 press conference, they had a strong practice. The hell they didn't. Well, yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I think I just broke Steve. Uh, yeah. I, I just, again, I, and, and to I'm, me, I, to me, I put all the blame on the coaches. I, I put 90% of blame on the coaches. I think, again, the players have to be expected to execute. I was trying to disagree with him on this because we had a heated debate and now he's. Well, no, I'm, 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 I'm not with you because 100% here because I do believe that the players have a responsibility to go out on the field and, and do their job. Did you notice, you and I had talked about this earlier in the show um, or even in pre-show. My, like I said, we've had so much information coming into yeah. us that it's, it's, I'm having trouble keeping up with it all. Um, I, I want to say it was on those two fake, the, the two penalties on the punt. Right. Okay. The coaches were like, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. That's something you got to worry about because that's a mental mistake. Yeah. And the mental mistakes, if they're happening on the field, you know they're happening happening in practice. Right. That that you know they are. And that's a great point. And that so so that is where to me it can fall back on the player or on the coaching staff because as we've said we've talked about it a little bit tonight is we we seem to be talking about the same problems over and over and over. That is indicative of coaching and them not getting Thank them to do you. the job. But again. You, I saw a lot of times, again, Hutch, we talked about it with Hutch on the offensive side of the ball. Everybody wants Craddock fired, but at the end of the day, when you watch the what the offense did on Sunday, I mean on Saturday, wasn't that bad. It just wasn't executed. If, if freaking Nick Starkle completes another four or five passes in that game, we're up, instead of being up 13 to nothing at halftime, we're You're up 28 to nothing yeah. potentially. I mean... You know, or twenty-eight to seven, or whatever it was. So I mean, you, you, there were so many things that could have happened on the offensive side of the ball that would have saved a lot of the glaring issues on the defensive side of the ball. I pulled the crate, the 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 the, the game chart. So first drive lasted forty-two seconds because we scored on the second play. Kentucky then had the ball for five minutes and sixteen seconds and went twenty-five yards and punted. Arkansas then had the ball for eleven plays, forty-four yards, four minutes and thirty-nine seconds, and punted. Okay. The next drive, ooh, I think I lost that one. We punted. That's the one where we punted. And then um, that was the crazy play where we recovered the freaking muffed punt. That was our ball. 100%. I don't understand What the all. hell were these officials looking at? That because was, how do you call it for Kentucky's ball when, the, when our player is the one that comes, comes well, up with it? And he went into the pile with it and came out of the pile with it. it anyway, yeah. So, but again... The defense stepped up on that very next drive because they stopped them, forced a fumble, got the ball back, and we scored the first field goal, right? Yeah, yeah, because that's it went the drive. It was ten nothing at that point, right? So, but that because so so the defense does their job, quick change, they do their job, they're right back on the field, they make a stop, but then okay, so at that point it's seven to nothing. We drive down to the nine yard line, and. Starkle throws. This is when Starkle had O'Grady. So people have complained. Why didn't we run the ball? Why didn't we run the ball in that red zone opportunity? Again, the field condenses in that situation. And what you, the best thing you can do is spread the field out. So they spread the field out. They get everybody open and spread. And CJ is running a slant across the middle of the field, and he has one guy dragging behind him. There is not another soul for Kentucky in the middle of the field. It is a, I mean, just it's an easy touchdown pass, and Starkle throws it behind him. So the very next, I, f- I feel like we were making the same complaint about Hicks in the early game, how he was throwing again. Will were we not were we not making that same argument? Well, Hicks's problem has always been he's just been late. Like he he doesn't make decisions quick, and so, but so the next play from the nine yard line, 
everybody thinks we should run. They run a screen pass to Boyd. Boyd's got four guys in an alley in front of him, and he drops the ball. So now you're third and nine, third and goal from the nine-yard line. The defense backs up and is playing zone defense from the two-yard line. They're not going to let anything get past them, and it's going to be one heck of a window to throw it in in the end zone, so now you're screwed. So they throw a little pass to Jordan. Was it Jordan? I don't remember. I think it was Jordan. No, Jordan didn't play. Whoever they threw it to in that situation, maybe it was Mike Woods, and he lost a yard. So we end up having to kick a field goal in a scenario where we should be up 14 to nothing. After that, Kentucky had a six or a five and a half minute drive, and they missed a field goal. So our defense is on the field for a good while after our offense just was on the field for just a few seconds on a scoring drive. Okay? We then get another field goal after a, a four-minute drive. So we give the defense a little bit of a rest, go up 13 to nothing. But then that's when Kentucky finally figured out that if they – that's the drive where they ended up, you know, running the same play six or seven times in a row and, and drove down and, and scored. And I remember thinking right towards the end of the first quarter they were talking about how dominant Arkansas had been and how great the running game had been and, and Boyd had run for over 100 yards. And I'm thinking, it's 7 nothing. Like, this isn't good. No. Like, we're not putting the ball in the end zone here. And so – and so 13 to 7, but then you start looking at the second half drives. So you end the half on the bizarre oh freaking just don't even go for any points and 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 just basically run the 55 seconds off the clock, which was the I, I, I got nothing. So the defense is on the field for 6 minutes to open the third quarter. And it results in a field goal. So you're you're now up 13 to 10. We then get the ball back. Three plays, six yards, a minute and a half, and punt it. And that's it for the third quarter. And then, well, no. For offensive yard, for offense, that total yards offense in the third quarter, six yards. That's it. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, so then the very next drive, the defense comes out and does their job. They're on the field for two minutes. They, Kentucky goes three and out. They punt. Kentucky went run, run, pass. Or no, I'm sorry. They ran three times and then punted on a three and out drive. We get the ball back. We go three and out for negative nine yards and punt in 30 seconds. And we give the ball right back to them because we threw several passes. And I think that's the one that we're, oh, that's where we had the, the freaking false starts. Mm-hmm. All right. So in the second half, our defense was off the field. And I haven't seen the time of possession, but it was bad. It was bad in the third quarter, not total time of possession, just in the third quarter. So on that next drive, Kentucky drives down and scores to go up 17 13. Right. We then get the ball back. And we did actually hold it for three and a half minutes, but it was a six-play drive, and we punted again. We get the ball. Kentucky gets the ball back. The defense stands up, makes a stop with a minute forty-five, or a minute and forty-five, a three, basically a three-and-out drive. Kentucky punts. That was when this is when Burks actually finally got into the game. He catches the punt, runs that punt back twenty-six yards. We got great field position. Burks then touches the, touches the ball on three consecutive plays. The punt, the what was supposed to be a wide receiver pass where he pulled it down and ran for 11 yards, and then another pass. So three consecutive plays, and we are at that point down to the Kentucky three-yard line before we scored the touchdown with Boyd. So, But then, because of the fact that it was a short field, we only had the ball for 52 seconds, and then we turn it right back over after the score. So we had two scoring drives that were under a minute because they were short field, which puts the defense right back on the field. And Kentucky at, proceeds to go on a six-play, 75-yard drive in four minutes. At what point did the thought of get Starkle out of there? Well, not- at this, so at this point, Starkle's out because this is when they finally – that drive was when they finally brought Hicks in. 
and and Hicks led them to the touchdown. So my point is is this. The defense was absolutely gashed in that second half because they were absolutely gassed. That, I mean, yeah. I don't care I, what Morris says. I don't care what Chavis says. The fact of the matter is that this defense was gassed because the offense, even when they scored, they did it in under a minute. You gave your defense zero time to rest. A defense that you're not relying on some of these freshmen who you told were going to get playing time, you're not letting them play, and instead you're letting guys play every single snap of the game, and they're getting worn down. And then you got to Which allow- is why I say that, that, that it's the coaches to blame. Well, yeah, I they're mean, not making smart decisions, right? And in that, in that I have yet. And, and the thing is, everybody got mad because Bielema never showed any emotion on the sidelines. He was obviously looking at a Waffle House menu during the game. Something. But here's the thing: Morris isn't showing any emotion on the sideline either. He kind of reminds me of Jason Garrett. Anyway, um, but but at some point, you, you you have to get in these guys' faces. I mean, I've seen I've seen Kirby Smart, I've seen Nick Saban, I've seen Ed Orgeron. I've even seen Jimbo Fisher getting in their kids' faces, okay. grabbing them by the face mask, going, what are you doing? Right. I've yet to see that from an Arkansas coach in years. Yeah, and I mean, again. So we what are we so scared of? Well, and I don't know if it's – we don't know what's going on in practice and how and what's happening there. So I don't know if he's tearing it into them then. I've heard stories that he does, that he's not a very nice guy in practice, which is fine. That's great if that's the case, but I don't know. But, I mean, I don't know that I need to see it during a game – to, to feel any better I, because at the end of the day, it's not making a difference on the field, what they're doing anyway. So, so from, yeah, from my perspective, my concern right now is, is definitely, you know, is, does this staff have the ability to get the best out of these players? And, you know, then he comes out after the game in his press conference and talks about how fragile this team is right now. Like, look, I'd never advocate for Bobby Petrino to come back here, but Bobby Petrino, when he was asked that same question, came out and said, this program ain't fragile. We're no. going to get back to work and take care of business, you know? I mean, And see, that he he, came, he said a, a quote, and, and uh, uh, we're closing in on the break here, but he, he said a quote, on, and I saw it on Twitter. It was, you, there, we're, you know, we're real fragile, and we're not going to quit. You can't quit something you never started. <laughs> and I retweeted that, and I got, I got so much hate for it. Now, I mean, and I get it. We've we've lost the last two games by less than a touchdown. Right. Okay. But again, if you have a strong practice, shouldn't that culminate on what we see on Saturdays? I mean, you hope so. But again, it's not leaving me with much hope. And I, I mean, you have seen it on Twitter in just 48 hours. 48 hours. Right. Apathy has set in. Well, apathy has set in, and, and and here's here's the only play. Here's the only thing that uh, that where I defend, where I find myself defending this coaching staff, is is apathy has set in. But it's it's not really because of Chad Morris. Apathy has set in because of what we've gone through for seven, six, seven, eight years right now. So right since two thousand twelve, basically. Um, Smile. That that's why apathy is here right now, and and we're gonna. We're going to uh, uh, jump into the coaching criticism right after this on Inside the Natural State. Remember to join us every week as Zach and Steve bring the best in fan reaction to Arkansas sports. Follow us on social media for the best of fan-driven, unfiltered content. We, the people. Stand tall, equal, and free. In pursuit of happiness. And premium American spring water. Mineral-rich, revitalizing goodness. 
with a naturally detoxifying high alkalinity. And 7.8 pH. Bottled in glass. To oxygenate our brave, proud selves. The healer and hydrator of. We. 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 The people. The Mountain Valley spring water. Back to the source. Welcome back to Inside the Natural State. Zach and Steve rocking it along. <sighs> Your brain fried yet? It's been fried. Um, Will, you soaking it in over there, ain't you? No. This crap sucks. Horace <laughs> <laughs> sucks. Chavis sucks. Craddock sucks. Bring back Bobby. Oh, dear God. Oh, God. Well, <laughs> come on, man. Uh, and the podcast just ended. It oh, just not Petrino. Stoops. Oh, okay. <laughs> he saved it. Wow. <laughs> he saved it. I'm, in, I'm impressed. Oh, well, that was quick. That was quick. That was quick. <sighs> okay. Let me gather my thoughts here because for three years we've held on to the you don't bash players, you don't bash coaches personally. And you still don't. But, but if you're making millions of dollars, you deserve a little bit of criticism and, and – and, this coaching staff deserves every single bit of it. They every do. single bit of it. At what point do you stop and go, this, this coaching staff just doesn't have it? Well, so that starts this week. I mean, let's be honest. Hutch touched on it, Ben. I've, talk, I've talked about it a little bit, but I really do believe that that starts this week. So, What do you mean, what do you mean starts? Well, when you start, we will, we will know what this coaching staff truly has after the Auburn game. And, I mean, we may know on the first play of the Auburn game. So Yeah, if they burn us for 70-something yards, then... Well, and then whatever the reaction after that is, I mean, do we continue to fight? Because from everything that we're seeing right now, from the, the social media buzz that's going around right now, the players and everything that we're seeing, it does appear that Morris has potentially lost this team. I mean, from what from what we're hearing, yeah. Well, when you combine the fact that he's talking about him being fragile, and then you see what's being thrown around on Twitter right now by the players and their likes and retweets and everything else that's being said, it's hard not to envision this going really bad really quick. So, um, and and from everyone that I'm talking to, it's going really bad really quick. So, I this this weekend's important because if this team, I don't. Th- Morris can't survive getting beat by 40 in the next two games. I know that's what everybody expects. It's, it's going to happen. But you can't. I mean. With, dude, with our defense, it's going to happen. No, I get it. And, and again. We, again, my, my point is you gave up 330 yards on the ground to a wide receiver playing quarterback for the first time. Okay, let, let, but let's be. Let, let's. I'm, that line is going to be, like, just overused. And it's. It's frustrating because Bowden was a quarterback in high school, and I know that's a totally different scenario. But he's—it's not like he's a guy that's never thrown a pass in his life. Right? He—he he was, and he, was, he threw he was it Mr. eleven times. But but I mean, he was Mister Ohio in 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 football at coming out as a freshman. This this is a highly rated guy, very talented guy, a huge get for Kentucky. So let's not act like this was just some bum receiver or some great receiver who who didn't <clears throat> know how to throw a football. Again, yes, we could have schemed much better to win the game. That, yes. That's my point. That's but, why. I, that's why I throw that stat out there. I know, but everybody's jumping on this. Well, we got beat by a wide receiver at quarterback. I, I well, get I mean, that, but again, he's a very talented guy. And I'm, I'm, again, I'm not trying to make excuses. I'm just saying, 
people are overreacting. Well, you've to spent that. the last forty eight hours defending this coaching staff. So I, have, I mean, and I do believe there's some defense there. But here's here's why my tone has changed, and it's because of what's come out today. It's because of what I'm being told today. Right. The powers that be are are, are crumbling under Morris right now. The, this, the, this, the the foundation that he has that seemed really strong, that seemed like he'd get four or five years, that even after losing to San Jose State, seemed like it would be a lock that he would be here. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a lock anymore. It, it's just not. And I told you from the beginning of the year that if this team didn't get the five or six wins and, and for sure didn't win every single non-conference game, that Morris should be fired. I said that from the outset. And then I've changed my tone a little bit because I don't believe that firing a coach that quickly helps anything. But at the same time, people are right. Some of the people that I've been interacting with, mm-hmm. and Hutch mentioned it tonight, you you don't survive 0-16. I find it hard to believe you survive 1-15, you know? I mean, if you even if you beat Mississippi State, it, it's just I, – I have a hard time at this point being able to defend Morris staying – if they only win one or less games the rest of this year. I honestly believe he's in over his head. I gave him – and here's the thing. I gave him last year because of everything that was going on. Well, you have to, yeah. And and, and I I did that with Bert Bielema. I did it with Bobby P. Everything. I got got nothing this year. Well, you can't – I mean, again, there is no defense if they go – because it's not like – Starkle and Hicks got hurt and you were forced to play KJ who was making bad decisions. I mean, these are the guys that you brought in to make this program better and you're not better. But here and 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 and, and I get it, okay? Hicks set all kinds of records at SMU. Okay? He set all kind Hold on. And Will's about to bite my head off here. SMU is what? Conference USA? Amer- American American Conference American Athletic. Look who's in the conference. None of them are going to sniff a national title. He was thrown to Cortland Sutton, who, by the way, is a starting receiver for the Denver Broncos. And on my fantasy team, but that's beside the point. <laughs> we're not going to go fantasy and talk about the NFL. He gave me 20-something points. We're not, we're not going so. there. So, well, Lee, that's because you're a Cowboys fan. They <laughs> Jets. Anyway, uh, J-E-T-S-J. J-E-T-S-J. But, but, but let's, let's stay on topic here. It, it, look, it... At what, this this the fan base is no longer behind Morris. From what I've seen on social yeah. media, I, and again I said it I, I said it the other day on the live show, but I'm gonna say it again. The, he, and and again, this may be a little over dramatic, but it's it it's what I'm looking at. He'll be lucky to have ten thousand people in those stands on Saturday. I think there'll be more than that, but uh, there won't be much more than that. But there there should be more. But, but you know the announced attendance is going to – or the paid attendance is going to be like 30, 35. Right. Well, and to your point, though, you were talking about about um, Hicks and being setting records at SMU. I mean, again, I'm not real sure how hard those records were to set, but I'm, I'm, not, even, I'm not even down on Hicks. I'm, like, I'm not down on any of them. I just – I shouldn't say I'm not down on any of them. I, I, don't, I don't believe that's the issue at this point. I mean, again, like I said, I thought the offense did – the game plan was pretty good. Um, it was just the execution of the game plan. And, and so, um, but as, as, we, as we look at what this coaching staff may be able to do, and, and the common theme has been they're in over their head, and, and I've, I've tried to kind of hold back on that thought process. Um, but obviously it's been fairly difficult to, to stay away from that thought process at this point after what we've seen, especially this week. Um, but again, my tone has changed because of what's come out today. Um, maybe this all gets cleaned up, maybe, but I don't think so. I think it's only going to get worse. Um, so, 
I don't know. At this point, I know I've spent a lot of time over the last 48 hours trying to defend this staff, and 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 I think rightfully so for some reasons. But, I mean, there's really no defense for, for what we've seen today and how things have gone down today at all. So, yeah, so, I mean, I don't – I don't know that there's a defense at this point. I mean, as far as so, let me ask you. Okay, let's say he stays on another year. Okay, Morris, mm-hmm. you can't tell me that there a, a staff change isn't going to happen. I mean, he whether it be offense, whether it be one of the position coaches, something's got to change because it ain't working. I got so, really high pitched on that one. So I'm sorry. It, it honestly is going to depend on how the season ends because I don't think Chavis can survive whether it's he retires or he's 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 fired or or whatever. Um, but on the offense, but see, here's the problem. Again, while a lot of people are upset with Craddock, like I said, I don't. Now, do they know how to teach mechanics? You know, do they know how to make sure these quarterbacks, or do they know how to teach quarterbacks what they're supposed to be doing? Like. That's a question. I'm, I'm not convinced. It's a fair question because Starkle has seemingly regressed over the last couple of weeks. Um, so, I but mean, is this? Did he have this much trouble at A and M? Well, he he had his issues, but again, you're supposed to be here getting some of the best coaching you can get, and he's regressing right now instead of getting better. Yeah. Now, did he find lightning in a bottle and just have a bunch of really wide open, you know, slant passes that were easy, quick throws that that made him look good there for a couple of weeks? Maybe that's the case. Um, but so from, from the assistance perspective, if this team finishes two and 10 or three and nine, what's the point in changing uh, assistance? I mean, why, why are you changing coordinators? I mean, that's, that's just delaying the inevitable in my opinion. Well, but I mean, I've always, even when, when Houston had those four and four years and five and seven years towards the end of his tenure, they changed coordinators and didn't go after Houston. Well, but Houston had success. I mean, but the, well, the yeah, and, and again, it, it, different different era, different different type of football. Yeah, the biggest difference right now, though, is that Morris has not proven that him he himself as a head coach can do enough with the program to move it forward. I, I liked, of course. I mean, when you go what six years was he here? Was Bielema here six yeah. years? Yeah, five. Okay, you you go five years of you know what four and eight. Yeah, and, and and you let him go, and you bring in this guy that that seemingly brought SMU out of a winless record and took him to a bowl game. Mm-hmm. At that moment, yeah, I was behind Morris. I was like, okay. And then he brought in the top twenty recruiting. Okay, again, wins me over. He goes two and ten the first year. Yeah, he had a debacle against Colorado State and North Texas. Now we're in year two, and we're not even – we're, what, six games in? We're halfway through the season, and we're a step – we we took a step forward during the Colorado State game. Now we're taking like five, six, seven, eight, eight steps back. Yeah. Okay. So, at this point, I don't I, – I got nothing. Yeah, I mean, it's it, – again, it's going to be tough, and, and you just – it's a game by game situation at this point. Again, from and it's going to get dangerous. It is. The next two weeks are really tough. So we'll see what happens. We'll see how this thing unfolds over the next couple of weeks. Um, I think it's going to get worse before it's going to get better, um, or if it's going to get better at all. So um, I don't know, man. It, I'm scared to know what's going to happen in the next game. But hey, join us on Thursday. Yep. And uh, we'll be live on uh, Facebook, I believe, to do yeah. that. Yeah. So we'll be live on Facebook. We're going to be previewing Auburn. Um, talking a little bit about ASU. They're going to be playing Thursday night on ESPNU. So um, I'll have that on. 
And uh, you've got a recruiting show coming up soon. Yeah, I, we'll put something out if I get it out tomorrow. That's that's the hope. But this will probably be out after that anyway. Yeah, but, anyways, this, yeah. but you've got one coming. Yeah, we'll uh, one Tuesdays coming on Tuesdays. So as soon as I get everything ready to go, we'll get it. We'll get information out. So I'm excited. Next time we will be here. It will be Thursday night. We just like I said, pay attention to the Facebook page, and uh, join us then when we preview Auburn. Until next week. You've been listening to Inside the Natural State. So long, everybody. Go pig. Go pig. Remember to join us every week as Zach and Steve bring the best in fan reaction to Arkansas sports. Follow us on social media for the best of fan-driven, unfiltered content. Every night just seems to change her name.